Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show, your spiritual speaker's corner, broadcast and podcast. Transhumanism. Heard of it? It's a growing philosophical movement among leading entrepreneurs, scientists, artists, politicians, and futurists. If you can believe it, these cultural kingpins are actually putting their faith in the future of humanity, living in what they're calling a post-human world. In this fascinating and frightening series, we'll first be in the studio to hear from Dr. David Herbert, author of Becoming God and an expert on the topic of transhumanism. And then, as always, we'll also take the truth from the studio to the street to hear what you have to say on the subject. Finally, we'll open God's Word together to reinforce the foundational biblical truth that our unfailing hope of immortality is found only in Jesus Christ. And now, let's join TCC radio host Corey McKenna in the studio. Hello again, I'm Corey McKenna. Welcome to the Cross Current Radio Show and part two of our special series called Becoming God on the subject of transhumanism. In the studio with me again is our friend and ministry partner, David Herbert. David is a retired school teacher and also author of the book, Becoming God, Transhumanism and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality, which can be ordered online at joshuapress.com. Welcome back, David. It's a pleasure to be here again. Now, last time in part one, we broke the ice on this subject by defining transhumanism as the merging of humanity with advancing technology, and we also looked briefly at the historical development and core doctrines of the transhumanist movement. And to be clear, transhumanism is an atheistic, evolutionary movement that denies the spiritual and tries to conquer death through purely material and technological means. (laughs) We're talking cyborg stuff, people. Sound crazy? Well, we took this subject to the streets, and here's what everyday Canadians had to say. In the studio and on the street with the Cross Current Radio Show. All right, good evening, folks. This is Chris here with the Cross Current, and I'm speaking with... Joseph. Hey, Joseph. So tonight we are speaking on transhumanism. Have you ever heard of this term before? Well, I... I've just become a little familiar with it. It has something to do with uh, brain chips and people becoming connected, I guess, through their brains to the internet and cyborgs and sci-fi and stuff like that. Cool. Do you know any movies or anything that's produced about this stuff? Well, the biggest one would probably be The Matrix, I would say. The whole Matrix uh, trilogy and many other things uh, ran about in sci-fi. Popular sci-fi movies have featured stuff related to that subject. So I've got a question for you. What would you do if you had the opportunity of receiving one of these brain chips, like a brain chip implant into your head? And this would improve your mental and your physical capabilities. What that would mean if you had a job, you maybe could perform better than your, your peer or in school you'd be able to memorize stuff better like it would just it kind of put you on steroids a bit if you know what i mean but this procedure would necessitate 
like reconfiguring your brain, right? So it would not necessarily be all you. It'd be sort of the merging of man and machine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't so much. Uh have an invasive surgery to sort of alter what I currently am. Um, that's probably not something I wouldn't want to do, but certainly becoming smarter is something that we'd all enjoy becoming. So you wouldn't agree to accept that? But you would like the benefits of what that would provide? Well, I think with uh, smartphones now, we have information always available to us, so maybe if we could just uh, increase the, the information we could get off of it, either through maybe having an earpiece or, or some sort of other language that we could pick up the signals coming from our phones to get information to us without having to passively look down and figure out what's going on. Maybe that would be something to look into, but not so much inserting something into our heads uh, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong with that. You're kind of not ready to insert that thing into your head, but if it would be something you could clip on your ear, you'd be okay with that? Yeah, so certainly something I could, uh, maybe something non-invasive, uh, something you could cl uh, clip onto your ear, uh, certainly with a head-up display with a Google Glass and stuff. I've never owned one, but something similar to that, I would say would be as far as I would take it, I wouldn't actually cut myself open to insert metal that, I don't know, you could get an infection or something like that. And we also, you know, we're humans, or we have neuroplasticity, our brains adapt and adjust to our environment. I don't know how, uh, you know, an, a man-made thing would affect that natural function that's been going on for hundreds of millions of years. So. Maybe just a better way to get the information that we already have accessible to us. Okay, so what types of things would you be scared of that would te technically go wrong? Like you said, infection, are there any others? Well, infection, and certainly if you want to get a little spooky, uh, you know, something with people hacking, hacking into the system, <laughs> mass brain control, uh, sort of stuff like that, just to be a little silly there. That if you have something physically implanted into your head, then of course that's something that's always at risk. But with a non-invasive like earpiece or eyepiece, you could always just take it off if you have to. Now, the transhumanist goal and what they're, what they're hoping to do is to provide like the necessary enhan enhancements in order to like eliminate diseases, disabilities, you know, aging, Alzheimer's, you name it. They're, they're hoping to do that, but eventually they're hoping to actually eliminate death. Now, do you think that's possible? Do I think it's possible um, to eliminate death? I'd have to look into it more. Uh, certainly, there's been work on reducing, you know, telomere lengths and stuff like that. and. Uh, as time goes on, people are getting healthier and healthier, and life expectancy is going much longer and longer. But uh, that's a philosophical. You're getting to the philosophical point of you know eliminating death, and you know if we didn't have death, then there'd still be a lot of bad people walking around. And so I don't know. I don't know if that's a goal so that could be achieved. Yeah, interesting. So um, transhumanists are convinced that by 2045. So quite a few years from now, right. but they're hoping that technology will be so advanced right. that they can enter the next step of existence, okay? Right. 
So post-humanism. Right. Right? In the event that they should die before that, right. transhumanists have arranged to be cryopreserved, all right, or frozen. Right. You familiar with that at all? Yeah, I've heard about that. I I'm, can't remember what the guy's name was, but I've heard about some uh, really kooky, rich people getting fro being cryogenically preserved and thrown in a freezer somewhere. Um, but I don't, I don't really know how far you could go with that. Sounds like uh, something like a life insurance salesman would do, right? You don't get to see, you don't get to see the end result. It's sort of blind faith, taking it as it is. <laughs> but sure, why not? I'll let them freeze me for 200000 That's actually a pretty good discount. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. that's a great discount. What do you, this, this gets to the gist of our conversation here, Joseph. What do you personally think happens to people after they die? Do you ever think about that, Joseph? Uh, yeah, from time to time I think about that, uh, what happens to us after we die. Um, quite frankly, I, I don't know. I don't have... I don't have <laughs> wait and find out. That's that's all I could say to that. Wait and find out. Um, I don't really believe too much in uh, an afterlife, an afterlife or uh, heaven or hell or anything like that. Uh, it's it's really a mystery. I think we should just uh, enjoy our lives as best as we can with what's in uh, front of us, with your friends and family, just enjoy the now and not worry too much about, you know, what else happens afterwards. So Joseph, the question I have for you is, do you think that you yourself would be good enough to be with God in heaven after you die? Oh, well, okay, that's, uh, okay. I know it's a heavy question. I know okay, it's a heavy so question. Assuming, okay, so taking, assuming that there is a heaven, God knows what I've done, that's up to him. I'd leave it up to him. I, <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. I think I've been, uh, I, I think I've been uh, good enough. I've made some mistakes here and there. Uh, you know, God, God is uh, sees everything, knows everything. If we're being from a theistic point, you know, he's he could see everything and knows everything. So there's no hiding. Uh, I think I've tried to live uh, as as good a life as possible. Here's what I wanted to share with you tonight, right. Joseph, and that is. The good news of the gospel, and, right. and the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came down. God the Father sent His only Son, Jesus, yeah. to come down and live the perfect life that you and I couldn't live. Right. And at the age of 33, He went to the cross, right. and He died on the cross. Now, a lot of people yeah. think that what happened was, was the Roman soldiers beat Him, and because of that, you know, He right. paid for our sin. But it was, Joseph, it was much more than that. It was actually God the Father poured out his wrath on his son Jesus. So the just demands right. for our sin that we deserve to spend an eternity right. in hell paying for was poured out on Jesus Christ. Right. And the only way, Joseph, for you and I to be saved right. is to trust in the righteousness of Jesus Christ because the reality right. is we've all sinned, Yeah. right? And the Bible says that you know, it's appointed unto man once to die, and right. after that comes the judgment. Right. And so, what I want to leave you with tonight, Joseph, is will you be with God in heaven after you die? And the only way that you can be saved is to repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right. That's the good news of the gospel I, I want to share with you tonight. Well, yes. I mean, I am Christian person. Uh, our family goes to church all the time. Uh, you know, I, re I read the Bible all the time. I'm completely uh, 
aware of everything you've said. I've heard everything you've said every single Sunday of my life since I was a child, and uh, how all of those things play out. I think honestly, it's between me and my me and the Lord. Uh, that's all I could say to it. Um, it's nothing I could ex express to you right here, right now. It's whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, you know, sinning or not sinning, and uh, how my life has been, and if I'm going to be damned to hell or etc. I think that's between me and God, and not something I just can share casually, and you know, with just anyone. Uh, and that's how I'm going to have to answer that question. Well, the scripture actually says that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're to share the good news of the gospel with others. So I, I would wager that. If we're a born-again Christian, if we've genuinely repented of our sin, which right. means we've stopped right. and turned to Christ right. and trusted in His righteousness. Right. See, if we trust in our own good works, Joseph, right. that's the same as a guy standing in a courtroom saying, you know what, I think I've done a lot of good since I've committed that murder. But the reality is the judge is going to say, you know what, you're not on trial for that good that you've done, but you're on trial for the right. one injustice you committed. And so when we stand before God... It's, it's like this, picture that judge in the courtroom saying, you know what, I'm a just judge, I'm a, uh, I'm a good judge, I cannot compromise justice, but today I'm going to extend you mercy. Right. And if, you, if you're in Texas, they're going to give you the death penalty, right? Yeah. That judge steps off the bench and says, you know what, I'm going to take your place on the electric chair today. Sure. That's what, in a sense, God did for you and I, Joseph, and... It's not by your goodness. You know, it says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And that's, that's the only way that we can be saved. If we trust in our own works, it's, again, going back to that guy in the courtroom. So... Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me tonight. I really appreciate it. Joseph? For sure. Hi, this is Kirk Cameron, and you're listening to the Cross Current Radio Show. Welcome back to the studio of TCC Radio. With me is David Herbert, author of the book, Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality. Okay, David, we know that movements always involve movers. So who would you see as the leading figure in the transhumanist movement? Well, there's no doubt that uh, Ray Kurzweil would be the one that would be first and foremost in the uh, transhumanist movement. So Ray Kurzweil, um, the name may resonate with some people listening, some people may have no idea uh, who he is. Maybe you could sort of give us kind of a, a short biographical sketch of, of who is Ray Kurzweil and how did he sort of uh, make his uh, mark on the scene of transhumanism? Well, Ray Kurzweil was born in the United States, um, right from a very early age it was seen that uh, this man had uh, tremendous uh, intellectual ability. Uh, his parents recognized, too, that uh, he would be an inventor. He wanted to be an inventor, actually, from the age five. Um, in my research, I came across uh, an interesting aspect. When he was in elementary school, he made this, um, what? Uh, it was a, a puppet show, and he um, had it all t totally mechanized. Uh, he mesmerized his, uh, his, school, his schoolmates. So right from the, uh, his very early age, uh, he wanted to be an inventor. And uh, after graduating from uh, MIT, uh, he um, 
got involved in this aspect, aspect of uh, inventing. Now, there are two things um, that I'll mention here that um, are associated with the name Ray Kurzweil. One is the optical reader. Um, here he was able to um, transfer or take um, the written word and transferred it into audible sound. And of course, this has been a, a tremendous benefit for, for the blind people. And second, um, the uh, synthesizer, uh, working with um, Stevie Wonder, and of course we know he's a, a blind songwriter, they came up and developed the, uh, the synthesizer. Now, as far as um, his books are concerned, um, in the uh, 2009, he wrote The Singularity is Near. Now this word singularity, and we'll be talking more about it as time goes on, has become sort of the mantra for uh, transhumanism. And then secondly, uh, another important book, and this was um, How to Create a Mind, and uh, he wrote this book in uh, 2012. So when we talk of Ray Kurzweil, we're not talking about some crackpot here in a, in a science lab. This is a very credible futurist who, who people look to as really someone who, who is an authority on humankind and where we're going. And probably there's lots of, I'm guessing, there's lots of celebrities that dial into Ray Kurzweil. Is that, is that about right? Oh, absolutely. The, uh, there has been some talk, and I, I'm sure it's just um, talk, that uh, he should run for president of the United States. <laughs> He might do a better job than the current one, hey? But, <laughs> um, now, tell us a little bit about this sort of uh, human genome completion and, uh, and how that uh, informs the transhumanist movement in terms of the mind and things like that. Well, I think we've mentioned the, uh, the other show that uh, from 1990 to 2003, um, we completed the mapping of the human genome. And, uh, of course, it just leaves one frontier left, that's the mind. When you think in terms of the research and where things are really happening on the transhumanist front, and this is dealing with the mapping of the human mind. Now, David, on page 95 of your book, you begin talking about how Ray Kurzweil wants to infuse our bodies with millions of what are called nanobots. <laughs> Lots of terms here. What in the world are nanobots? Well, as Ray Kurzweil envisions that uh, these nanobots would be the size of our red blood cells that these would be infused into our bodies. And these nanobots would be able to, what, uh, correct um, and improve um, our bodies. And he see, as I said, he would see millions of these um, in our bodies. They also would, um, of course, be um, in our minds, in our, our brains. And he sees that this would then be a connection, uh, would make a connection to the Internet. So we're talking human beings that are Wi-Fi enabled through through their through a bloodstream. Is that what you mean? Absolutely. And this is real. I, I, for anyone listening, they're thinking, "Who in the world do they have in the program this week?" But this this is these are real ideas that they believe are are accessible within a within a relatively short period of time. Well, certainly by 2045. Um, but uh, Ray Kurzweil, as I said before, this is how he sees that we can make the transition from being human to post-human by having these, um, these nanobots. And of course, he um, sees nanotechnology as really leading, um, being in the forefront of our move to, be, um, to becoming God, actually. 
If you're just tuning in, that's the voice of David Herbert, author of Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality. Um, When I was researching the subject for the series, you suggested, David, that I watch the documentary on Kurzweil called Transcendent Man, and this is actually free online. And at the beginning, Kurzweil mentions that he's afraid to die. So it seems that humans and transhumans actually do have something in common after all, because according to Hebrews 2.15, every non-Christian is scared to die, and in the authority of Hebrews 10.31, every non-Christian should be scared to die because it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But David, tell us how this fear of death applies specifically to Kurzweil and his transhumanist counterparts. How does this relate? Well, as you mentioned in the uh, video, transhumanist, transcendent man, uh, he sees death as an outrage. It um, destroys, um, it uh, takes away all the um, things that we have done, and uh, certainly uh, he feels that we need to, um, to rid mankind of, of this um, evil thing. It's also interesting, too, that uh, he really misses his father, and uh, in some way he'd like to bring his father back to life. And, and he sees this part of the, his mission, his transhumanist mission, um, in, in conquering death. Yeah, it's pretty obvious why you called the book Becoming God. I mean, these seem to be uh, categories of thought that, that only God can control and dictate, and he's sovereign over these things, but the human heart obviously wants to take control, just the way we are. Um, but David, on page 91 of your book, you mentioned that in December 2012, Ray Kurzweil was hired by Google. <laughs> now, why would a simple internet search engine operation have any interest in Kurzweil's work. What's that about? Well, in talking to people, this aspect of uh, connecting transhumanism with Google really amazes people. And they should be amazed. I mean, we, when we think in terms of the, the power of Google, um, not only financially, but we think of their control throughout the world. Uh, I think the last um, figure I looked at, they, they own 173 companies. Furthermore, it's really interest, interesting to note that uh, um, both these men have um, some uh, physical problems. You mean the men who have, who have founded Google? That would be um, Larry Page and uh, Sergey Brin, uh, particularly Sergey Brin. They, they have his wife, who started, a, his former wife, I should mention, uh, started a company called 23andMe. And uh, this is dealing with the mapping of our, our DNA. And uh, interestingly enough, um, in uh, Sergey Byrne, uh, he is Jewish, and he belongs to a very special Jewish um, uh, family. And um, what they have found is that uh, there is... Um, a pretty election towards Parkinson's, and he has that. And so, uh, from um, a personal point of view, uh, he can he can see that um, transhumanism could be a, a means in which he can overcome this disease. Obviously, this has sort of sort of uh, changed uh, from curiosity in in uh, in Bryn's mind to more of a an urgency, a desperation in his mind to to basically uh, get on board with this movement. Now, you had mentioned also um, in September 2014, they set up Calico. What is Calico? Well, this Calico, it's um, an acronym for California Life Company. And uh, separate from uh, 23andMe, this is a company that was established by Google. 
and uh, its main goal is life extension and immortality. Now, what Google has done, what they, they do all the time, they've gone out and they've hired the five leading gerontologists. Can you define what's a gerontologist? Uh, this is a person who is, um, does research on how to ex uh, extend life. And so these people have been hired by Google, and their whole goal is to um, develop means of extending our life. Wow. Again, if you're just tuning in, that's David Herbert, author of the book, Becoming God. And uh, we'll certainly say that throughout the production of this series, we found that the majority of people uh, that we spoke with were shocked to hear that Google is interested in transhumanism. They just didn't see much of a connection there between, again, some search engine uh, operation and trying to, uh, trying to achieve cybernetic uh, immortality. Um, but and on that note, David, can you educate us just a little bit on the power and influence that Google has worldwide? It was interesting uh, just recently uh, for the uh, next book I'm working on, I was talking to a father and uh, he was mentioning that he had an eight-year-old son and they, uh, they bought him an iPhone and they soon came to see how addictive this iPhone was, that their son now was spending numerous hours a day and so what they have done, they've restricted his use of the iPhone. He can only use it on Saturday. And so, uh, I, as I mentioned here, the, the addiction of this technology and how it's really captivated the minds of our, not only our young children, but certainly we, th even th we think in terms of those who are in high school and university. Very, very true, this emerging generation, as, as it were. Well, we're just about out of time for this episode, David, but before we sign off, can you again give us a sneak peek of where we're headed together in part three of this series? This is getting good. Well, we're going to be talking about the term that I mentioned, uh, singularity, and uh, how it's associated with uh, Ray Kurzweil. And then we're going to talk about the whole question of um, cryonics, which is uh, an integral part of transhumanism. Well, thanks again for being with us, David. If you missed the promo earlier in the program, David's book is called Becoming God, Transhumanism, and the Quest for Cybernetic Immortality, and you can order it online at joshuapress.com. Plus, you can also visit YouTube to check out a trailer for the book and an interview with David Herbert that you'll find very informative and very, very compelling. And thanks to you for tuning into our program. Please visit us online at tccradio.com, where you can access our podcast and also hear several more street interviews with average, everyday Canadians on the topic of transhumanism. Until next time, I'm Corey McKenna, in the studio and on the street, keeping the cross current in our culture. I'm Corey McKenna, president of The Cross Current. Will you help hear H-E-A-R at home with us? Thanks to ministry partners like you, we were able to send me into the field full-time on July 1st. But to equip more Christians online and to engage more non-Christians on air, we need your support. To learn how to pray 
give and go with us, visit helphere.ca. That's H-E-L-P-H-E-A-R dot C-A. We thank God for you and your partnership in His gospel.